It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Missing Mora Murray podcast. I'm Tim here today with Lance in Wormtown. What's up, Lance? Not too much. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well here in the Crawl Space Studios. Excited to get this information out to the public. I never thought that I would learn so much about soil. Did you ever think that in your life you would know so much about the composition of soil if you weren't in agriculture? I didn't even think there were people who knew this much about soil. We keep raving about Ed and Graham from GB Geotechnics, and the more we hear from them, the the more we learn from them, the, the more significant this uh, scan was. When we went to New Hampshire, we realized that these, these two guys in that company, they're, they're legit. And to see the scanning and to see the results and to hear their, their thoughts and their theories on it is very um, significant in my head. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff where we are able to kind of cross some of these things off, but some of them raise more questions. So it's really just something we're going to have to wait for some test results and maybe do some further investigating here. No pun intended, but this is part of the digging process. You said we're going to cross some things off the list, and that's a, that's all part of the digging process. That really doesn't mean that what we're doing is not successful it's actually the contrary. It's, it is successful to cross something off a list. It does raise questions when you hear what they said and you hear the, the anomaly that they found or anomalies that they found. They're able to explain some of them. They're not able to explain some characteristics of one of them. So they're going to look into that a little more. And we have people out there who listen, who want to know what the results are. And we're going to give you the results as best we can within the legal parameters that we're, you know, responsible to maintain within. Maybe for the next episode, we should take a step back and kind of just review a lot of this information because I feel like there's been a lot of information coming forth uh, after this search up in the White Mountains and then that conversation with the parodies. Maybe we should take a step back and kind of break down these bits of information one by one on the next episode. So send in your questions if you've got them. Email us at missingmoramurray at gmail.com. That's an excellent point because we're entering into a chapter of this whole journey, a chapter of this podcast where we're going to be getting this information that we've really never dealt with before. So to put it out there in a rapid fire manner just probably isn't the most responsible thing to do. So I think the best thing is, like you said, we're going to put out the information. We're going to let people digest it. If you have questions, email us. We're going, we're still digesting it. And some of your questions might be questions that we didn't think that we had until we read them from you guys. So all of the information, all of the communication really needs to be as clear as possible right now in order for us to disseminate stuff and move forward. Okay. So thank you very much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Maura Murray Doc. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Missing Maura Murray. Thank you very much.
Now, Ed Sewell is the principal of GB Geotechnics, and Graham Henderson is investigation engineer of the, the same company, GB Geotechnics, located in New York. Uh, you two were with us during the GPR scanning of the two locations up in New Hampshire. Can you introduce the company and tell us how you guys got involved with, uh, with the scanning of those two locations up there? So our company is GB Geotechnics. We're a, I guess, sort of vaguely multinational. We've got a few offices around around the globe. Um, there's two in the UK, two here in, in the States, and three out in Australia. We're not a huge company um, globally. There's about sort of 60, 70 people. We specialize in non-destructive investigations. We uh, use various technologies uh, such as uh, ground penetrating radar, metal detection, um, various acoustic techniques, uh, thermal imaging, uh, things like that to help us assess uh, structures, uh, historic structures, as well as modern buildings, monuments. We work mainly with uh, engineers and architects to help answer, I guess, uh, problems and questions that may arise uh, when they have them. Uh, so, so in this particular instance, we, um, well, I, I, I'm, I've been listening to the podcast for, uh, I guess, probably a couple of years now. Saw that um, Maggie uh, was, um, she put together the, I think it was a, a GoFundMe, and uh, saw that she was looking for a, a firm to do some ground penetrating radar um, up in New Hampshire. And so I, I got in touch actually uh, via you guys. I think I, I shot you an email. Um, yep. Uh, a few months ago, um, just to sort of introduce our firm and to, uh, you know, mention, I guess, sort of t- talk about how we might be able to help you. We have to say the timing on that was perfect because we had just put up the GoFundMe. We worked with Maggie on getting the, the word out there for that. And we had raised, you know, as much money as we thought it would have cost. But you folks approached us and offered it no, with no charge, free of charge. Well, what made you make that decision? Well, um, I mean, it's it's not um, it's not something that we do uh, all the time, um, and it's a case that I was quite familiar with. Um, I think Graham was familiar with it also. Um, it's uh, it's it's certainly a, a very sad uh, story, um, and it's not really something that I would want to um, make a profit on, and uh, and. Uh, like I say, because our firm seemed to be relatively well um, suited to, to to helping perhaps answer some of these questions, I, I volunteered our, our services pro bono. Well, that was really um, and nice. And it was really a, a pleasure to do so. Well, that's great. It was a pleasure to meet you guys and uh, get to know you a little bit and work with you up there. You guys are great, great dudes, and uh, it was as, as odd as it is to say, it was even fun at times uh, doing this. Yes, it, it was it was great to meet you guys, and uh, well, likewise, you're a couple of great chaps. Um, yeah, I just uh, you know it was a it was a really great weekend, a, a interesting opportunity, and uh, we're just really happy that we could come up there and uh, get some good clear results uh, to help answer some of these questions, and uh, you know, really just keep this case moving forward. I know yep. Tim has. Uh, referenced Ed as being a catch. I mean, you guys are both a catch. They're both catches. They're both catches. Um, but I, uh, I didn't under, I didn't really realize that Graham was the soil whisperer when we had. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think you're being a little too kind there. <laughs> I don't know. You didn't see yourself when we had that concrete pad tilted up, and you were using the spade to go back and forth and basically talking to the soil and uh it was uh, it was it was quite a sight to see and we knew that we were in good hands at that point uh, well well good yeah i um i have a little bit of archaeological training from grad school uh in which i took a couple classes and then i did a a field school um was, i want to say maybe eight weeks long where we did a a small excavation um so really i was just kind of uh, employing those skills i know just enough kind of to get myself into trouble and uh know know when when you know digging and that kind of thing really shouldn't go forward without proper planning yeah how, how does that help you how does that training help you in what we did up there 
you know, we uh, we were using the ground penetrating radar a lot um, as kind of our, our primary tool to search uh, a couple different areas and, and large areas. Uh, and what we're using that for is to find anomalies in the ground. Um, and that could be something that's buried, um, maybe like a rock uh, or, um, you know, some kind of, uh, let's say, a utility line or something like that. Um, or it could just be changes in um, kind of the the composition of the soil. Um, and so basically once, once we see something like that, then you can – uh, really start to to look at the soil and, and analyze it. And um, so specifically um, what we're talking about is underneath the slab uh, of the deck of the uh, the house with the, that had the trailer. When you're looking at that, basically what, what you're doing is you're, you're looking for some kind of uh, boundary or change in the soil. And that is kind of caused by a disturbance because, um, you know, not, not to get – too, too into the, the, the scientific detail, but essentially, you know, soil is built up over a long period of time. Um, so if you, if you change this soil by, let's say, digging into it, it doesn't matter. You're, you're never going to be able to put that soil back exactly how it was. So you're always going, so you're going to have uh, a change in that soil that can last for sometimes, you know, hundreds of years, depending on, you know, the conditions of, of where you're at. Um, and so really what I was doing was just kind of uh, scraping off the top uh, centimeter or so with a trowel to kind of clean up and see if we could actually notice any kind of uh, uh, disturbance in the soil. And before we get to those results, I just want to uh, cover the areas that we searched here. Can you guys uh, describe these uh, all these areas? Sure. Well, we had several areas at the A-frame house that we were interested in and that we had discussed um, uh, prior to uh, mobilizing up to New Hampshire. One particular area of interest was the the uh, concrete slab within the A-frame house in the closet. Another area that we were interested in was the, uh, the concrete slab that was about 20 foot by 20, 22 foot or thereabouts outside the A-frame house. And then there was that sort of strange concrete chunk or bench on the other side of the house, the, the opposite side of the house from the, the 20 by 22 foot concrete slab. Um, there was also, uh, we spent a bit of time in the garden of the A-frame with the, uh, the GPR unit. The other area was, uh, so the second day we were there, uh, we were in the, uh, the um, I guess we're calling it the F house. The particular area of interest there, or two areas of interest, I guess, um, uh, there was the concrete slab at the base of the steps that lead up to the deck at the front of the house, which I gather there had been some uh, some suspicion about. And then there was also an area underneath where the prior owner who built the house had, I guess, like a, a, a mobile home type trailer that he was living in during its construction at the time when uh, Mora went missing, from what I understand. So we, we um, used the radar uh, to scan the ground at that location where the trailer had been. So l- let's go through these one by one, I guess, and uh, talk about your findings. Sure. So I guess we should start at the beginning. Uh, th- I guess that the, the first thing we did, uh, which was uh, remove some concrete out of the A-frame house in the uh, the closet under the stairs in the, the, the concrete slab. So we drilled a series of holes. We actually uh, begun by scanning the floor with the radar uh, to get a, a sense of how thick that slab was. We had originally planned to take a core, but we, we figured actually that it would probably be easier and we'd probably get uh, better data by removing a, a larger area, a larger surface area. So we, we removed what I think was probably about a, a 10 um, square inch, so sort of a 10, 10 by 10 inch uh, patch of concrete, um, which I, again, I, ga- I gathered the previous owner had sprayed some luminol on the floor, and this is where um, that luminol showed that there had been some ponding. So we, we drilled a series of holes and uh, chiseled um, that concrete out, um, and we sampled it at various depths. Graham, that that was the the process, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, basically what we did. Kind of the the idea is concrete is is naturally porous um, to to various degrees, 
And so the idea is even if somebody had cleaned up or, uh, you know, wiped something, that doesn't mean that uh, something hadn't kind of been absorbed uh, into into the concrete itself. So by pulling up a, a section of, um, you know, two, two and a half inches deep, um, and, and we can we can send this off for any kind of uh, testing that needs to be done. We did notice that there was um, that there there were air pockets in the concrete. So it it seemed to me like you know if if indeed this was where well something had happened, uh, there is a chance that um, that that it might have been absorbed into that concrete. Now, did you see any noticeable discoloration in the chunks of concrete that were bagged? I didn't, but the no. lighting wasn't isn't isn't great in there. This isn't really our area of expertise, really, <laughs> um, and and I'm not entirely sure what organic matter might look like once it's been absorbed into concrete, and what that concrete might then look like after you know, 15 years. I guess we'll just have to wait for the results of the test to come back, as far as that's concerned. And little detail that I appreciated seeing was taking the dust from inside the vacuum cleaner as you were drilling you were you were uh, sucking up the dust that was coming up that was that's even bagged and that's going to be sampled as well which is pretty uh, reassuring so um, whose idea was that because that was a good idea it's a sort of a standard approach that we have really um, you know to just make sure that we bag up all of the material that we're moving um, you know extracting out um, I mean I, I also wasn't entirely sure of of how whoever's going to be testing this concrete is going to test it. And so probably thought it was just a good idea to uh, to collect as much as possible um, out of that area. So that's the A-frame closet. And, and of course, uh, along with the concrete samples um, we took and, and, and you guys uh, gathered for us, uh, we, we took some parts of the wall panel and the wall behind the panel. And so those uh, are going to be tested at some point. So that's the A-frame closet uh, there. Was, was there anything else that was performed inside that closet? Two things that we might want to mention. One is uh, using the boroscope uh, when we, uh, I believe we included that in, in our report on page 18, that the current owners, I believe, had, had noticed that their dog was sniffing the step at a specific location. And so we took some photographs of the underside of the steps um, it's a, a wooden uh, wooden staircase uh, going up to the second floor. Again, I, I'm not really sure what you know what I'm looking at, but but it, it looks to me like there's some sort of staining on on the wood at about the location that this dog had been sniffing. That that might be a slight uh, thing that you might want to look at in the future. Yeah, and just uh, you know, it's it's only it's only a small stain, a couple couple inches maybe, without pulling up that step or pulling out the wall of the paneling, you know, that's, that's something that we, we can't really get a sample of, but you know, it, it is, it is interesting. Now, uh, what else? What, what was the next thing? Was it, was it the, uh, the slab, the big slab outside or the bench? Right. So next was the bench, I think, wasn't it? We went and had a look at it. It did look a little bit odd to me. It's a very large chunk of concrete. It looked like it had been cast to some extent in in a form, um, i.e. it was kind of smooth on on you know the, the front face and and, and a, a couple of the the longer uh, faces. The the ends of it, um, the two ends, didn't look like it had been cast to me. So it, it looked like it almost looked like a sort of a, a middle piece of a much longer uh, or just a longer piece of uh, of concrete um it didn't have any reinforcement not entirely sure where it came from what it was but it, it certainly looked strange to me that that it was cast uh, you know you could see the form on a few sides just not at the ends which was which was the first thing that struck me about it we managed to several of us um uh, shift it so there was an idea, I think, that maybe it had been placed there for a specific purpose to perhaps hide something underneath. Uh, we, we rolled it out of the way and then scanned the ground with the radar. And again, uh, we didn't see anything uh, that was of particular interest. We, we did uh, see a little anomaly and we probed down to it and it was a, uh, a large rock. So 
so that was about that was about all we we saw there. Um, it, it, it looked to me like it had probably been placed there. It was a little sort of clearing, and it looked like maybe the the owners or previous owners had, had maybe had a fire pit around there at one point. It looked to me like there was sort of a, a few little strategic stones and things that had been put around there. So so that that might have been its purpose. But where, where it came from, I have no idea. It could very well have been residual concrete that was left over from you know pouring the slab of the house or. Or perhaps this this other larger slab that's uh, outside the uh, the A-frame. Okay, so let's talk about that one. What did you guys uh, find in the big slab? To kind of orient everyone, um, basically it's uh, it's a large concrete slab, and it's uh, about um, 22 by 20 feet or something something along those lines. And there's uh, one of the corners, you can see uh, what we assumed was the, uh, the the edge, the underside of the slab, and so that measured to be about 11 inches. So it's you know it's it's a big, thick uh, slab. But actually, once we did um, GPR, uh, we're we're kind of interpreting that that the slab is actually closer to 18 inches thick. So it's you know this is this is some some serious. Uh, foundation work but uh, so some of the things that, that we noticed when we did the GPR was that it has uh, structural reinforcement and that would be um, in this case not rebar but things like that uh, we think it's actually a uh, kind of a, a metal mesh that you lay down for for structural reinforcement what's interesting about it is the reinforcement doesn't cover the entire slab as you might imagine it actually basically divides the slab into uh, equal thirds. So you have sort of uh, reinforcement, and then you have about a seven-foot gap where there's no reinforcement, concrete all the way through, and then you have uh, the, the remainder of the slab is then reinforced. So that type of reinforcement can make it a little bit more difficult for the ground-penetrating radar to see below it, and that's just sort of the way that the radar I guess um, you could say just reflects off of uh, that metal. Uh, but we were, you know, able to still pick up things uh, of interest um, below it. We we kind of picked out three things in particular. Uh, one of them we we're pretty sure we can we can rule out as just kind of one of one of those um, post holes that that you noticed that you've you've mentioned on previous podcasts. Just basically, the when the GPR went directly over top of it, it kind of you know shoots a big spike, like a PVC tube. One of one of these PVC tubes that appears to have been cast into the concrete. Then there were there were two others which were um, kind of larger uh, anomalies, and by large we mean maybe about two feet. If you if you wanted to, I guess um, kind of cube it off, you would say two by two by two, something like that. These are right at where we're seeing the back of the slab or uh, slightly punching through what would be the back of the slab. And that, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that that could be. The the geology of the area is very rocky. It's it's former uh, glacial. So, um, and right next to the slab, there's there's a bunch of big stones. So it, just because there's there's some kind of thing that we're seeing doesn't mean it's, it's necessarily anything uh, nefarious. Really, I guess one of the big questions is just, trying to track down when this when the slab was was made. Can you tell us about how you would age or date concrete like this? It would be difficult to age this concrete precisely, but there are a couple of techniques that you can use to get an approximate age on concrete. It, w- it would involve uh, collecting some samples. The first process would be to perform uh, some petrography and chemical analysis of the concrete. Uh, it would involve taking some samples, um, sending them off to a to a, a, a testing lab, of which there are there are several that we that we use in our line of work. Uh, not for aging concrete necessarily, but there are various types of tests that you do on concrete: strength testing, compressive stresses, and, and that sort of thing. So petrography will will give you an idea of the makeup, what was in the concrete. From that, you can sort of uh, get an idea of how these uh, how this concrete might have weathered so so it it's a it's a way of of, of potentially dating concrete but you, you need to have quite a lot of information you know about sort of the area that the concrete was from um, how exposed it is you know all these sort of things will will come into effect 
I think with petrography, you might be able to get somewhere within five to ten years, possibly, of uh, within when that concrete was poured. There's a uh, another test, which would be carbonation that we do, uh, which, again, it's another laboratory test. That could give us an idea maybe sort of within within a decade or so of, of when the, of when the, the concrete was poured. Uh, n- none of these things are going to give you the exact date, unfortunately, and it, it is always a bit of a guessing game. But petrography would probably be the, the most successful at, at getting a, um, a fairly good age range of, of the concrete. Right. So what you're saying is if you were to do that test and it could get it to, say, five, six, seven years. So we could sort of work out, you know, is this concrete from around about... 2004, 2005, or is it, you know, closer to 1994, 1995, or is it even, you know, maybe 1950s, or is it that sort of thing? These techniques are probably going to, you know, get, get you somewhere in the ballpark of the age of that material. Yeah. And then I guess based on that, then you determine, is it worth it to go actually identify what those anomalies are underneath it? Exactly. And okay. and that's where it would get a little bit more tricky, really, because, you know, we, we we had originally planned to take some cores through the concrete and then using a soil sampler, um, sample down to any anomalies. Um, that's something that we could try to do here. But we had, well, you know, it, it, it's difficult to soil through um, a soil that has a lot of stones in it, simply. Um, so it, it might even be an, an idea to kind of cut a larger hole through the concrete slab and actually try to um, maybe sort of shovel down to the sort of the anomalies that we're seeing. After dating them, like like Lance said, if it was proven to have been poured, say, uh, approximately around 2005 or, or after, that would make these anomalies extra interesting. But have you guys seen things like this uh, in your work? Like, like anomalies, quote unquote, as this? Like, is this what big stones underground look like? Well, I would say so. So, the examples that we've given you in the report, anomaly one, that could be some sort of material boundary, some sort of possibly stone, some large boulder or something below the slab. Anomaly two is a bit more interesting because it's got a, a sort of a specific shape to it so it's it's kind of it got this sort of hyperbolic shape to it it also reflects quite well so so it, it looks less like a stone and more like something that's been buried and uh, perhaps pipe or it could have been rebar or something metallic possibly that's that's been buried at around about well it, it seems to be if, if we're looking at a slab that's potentially 18 inches it looks like it might be another six inches below that and then the anomaly three that we've highlighted is a larger anomaly. Again, it's it's below the slab, and 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 that you know it's it's about all we can tell really. It's a large response that's below the slab. It doesn't look like a boulder. It looks like something more kind of structural than that. This might be a good time to kind of walk walk the listeners through what what GPR data looks like. That'd be great. Um, so. We uh, we kind of uh, talked over the weekend, um, and uh, you know I, I had kind of mentioned uh, you know if you if you think about the beginning of like Jurassic Park where they're looking at the dinosaur bones and they shoot that pulse into the ground and boom they get a, a nice picture of of what the the dinosaur is. And that's completely not at all what we're dealing with, unfortunately. Um, instead, it's it's better to think of this as like a a layer cake. Uh, that you're that you're looking at a slice of it, so you're seeing the different layers, and when you when you see um, an anomaly, it can kind of manifest itself in a couple different ways. So ideally, for something large, you're going to see a, a nice clear uh, hyperbola or or you know hump wave, or you know you might see in the case of reinforcement or or rebar, or in this case what we think is is the the mesh. Um, you're going to see some some close together uh, little humps that are that are evenly spaced out, or uh, in the case of some of the the other anomalies that we're going to talk about, it's you're you're looking at kind of the layers of the cake suddenly being kind of jumbled up, like if you uh, had taken a spoon and you know dug something up and then tried to pack it back down, you're not going to uh, have those nice clean layers anymore. 
and it, it depends on a lot of different factors. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to run it through the, the computer software and, and pull out a lot of the noise and, and basically add contrast and that kind of thing. At the end of the day, it, it really does come back to um, interpretation. Um, and that's kind of the point of doing things non-destructively. You, you do your training and uh, take your time and pay attention to the data uh, and try and uh, make your best interpretation based on that data uh, so that you can kind of target your your resources moving forward. Yeah, that's awesome because we're looking at the images that you sent in the PDF and it does take a little bit to wrap your head around. Like, am I looking at a cross, cross-cut like profile or am I looking straight down? And, you know, once you identify that you're looking at a profile, you can see where there are consistent sort of red and blue waves and then where, you know, you'll see this like bulge or something that uh, signifies a, a disturbance or some sort of anomaly. Uh, once you do wrap your head around that, I think things become a lot more clear. And uh, that was a really good description of that. So thanks. It's kind of it's kind of like, um, you know, the Matrix where you're, you're looking at all the, the, the green things flashing through on the screen. And then suddenly, as, as you get used to it, suddenly it just starts to make sense to you. On the last episode that we had of this podcast, we talked about the other side of the yard and there was an anomaly potentially underground that wasn't related to the septic tank or the leach field, which is part of the septic system. Um, but in this PDF, you guys are, are now saying that it actually is highly likely that that anomaly on the opposite side of the yard of the big slab is likely a septic tank or leach field. Right. So, so when we were doing this scanning, there was an idea that that the that the um, the leach field was potentially close to where we were scanning, but there was an idea that it was it was a little bit closer to the road, cl- closer to the uh, the A-frame house driveway, and that it didn't extend to where we were seeing this. But you know, now we've run this data through um, our programs. we you know we we've, we've got rid of some of the noise. It, and, and actually, you know, we, we, we've looked at examples of, of previous surveys where we've scanned the ground and, and seen things like leach fields and septic tanks. And I've got to say, this just looks really, really close to what, what you would expect to see from a leach field. Okay, great. Yeah, that's that's good news. Yeah, yeah. At least uh, we know that it's likely not something to further investigate, so we can pretty much cross that right. one off. So let's move on to the F house. It's uh, Rick's former house. And the first anomaly, or or I should say the first thing that we were looking at was that deck step landing, sort of right before you get up to the, the stairs to the deck. There was a uh, piece of concrete that was poured, and we had heard maybe that that was something to check. And what were your findings on that? Well, it, 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 was, um, it was a very large lump of concrete. From what I understand, uh, there was uh, the, the owner who lived in this house. It, initially, there wasn't a concrete slab there. And that the, the, the stairs up to the deck, which is how you get into the front door, which is sort of raised up, there wasn't a concrete slab. And so I guess the, the, the steps up to the deck were just sort of resting on, on, on soil or, or you know, grass or whatever. So there was a story that out of the blue one day, uh, he just sort of turns up unannounced and, and pours this big concrete slab. And I guess for that reason, it was a, a bit suspicious. So we scanned it. There's quite large reinforcement in the concrete, which was, I guess, it showed that whoever was pouring this knew, really knew what they were doing. The slab is very thick, maybe eight or ten inches thick. Seven, seven and a half, eight inches, something like that. It really struck, to, struck me as, as, um, as, you know, whoever poured that really knew what they were doing, and they, 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 they wanted to have something that would stand the test, you know, the, the test of time. Once we levered it up, which was quite a lot of hard work, it was probably a good thousand pounds, this thing. And so Graham could have a good, uh, a good uh, look underneath it. 
but we yeah we we did lever it up it looked to me like it had possibly been cast in place so you could see the the underside of the the concrete was you know it it didn't look like it had been poured on a flat surface it looked like it had been poured on the bare earth it was kind of a, a rough surface on the underside of the slab that that pretty much matched uh, the, the soil uh, underneath it so other than it being kind of over-engineered for its purpose it didn't really strike me as being anything that was particularly odd it was just you know a, a rather a large piece of concrete for for um for what it was uh, i guess there to do which was just to you know support a couple of steps all right very good and then we uh we we maneuvered that that little pad that concrete pad back into 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 place but before we actually did that or sort of simultaneously you were running the gpr over the the lawn itself and there's some interesting findings there can you fill us in a bit on that yeah okay um so uh, right next to the the driveway um, was an area that uh, we we have been uh, told that that's where the uh, the trailer the mobile home used to used to be um, kind of that area and um, I guess there was some speculation that you know maybe something had been possibly buried underneath there or something like that so we wanted to do uh, a decent sized survey area of of that and you know just kind of see what we could see. So we did an area um, about, uh, we'll call it uh, 15 by 15 by 35, 40, something, something like that, uh, feet. We were able to um, kind of find the the septic tank, and we were able to find the stone pad uh, walkway. You know, it was pretty pretty clear and evident to find. So that that helps orient orient us and everything like that and then we see some some pretty good uh, nice clear data of what the uh, soil the soil matrix the the layout of the the different layers of the soil are um, and that's that's pretty clear and then uh, we do kind of find an anomaly uh, in the area where the the, the trailer um, mobile home used to be um, and to kind of describe what this is what what it looks like, it's about a four foot wide by four foot wide by let's call it one foot high anomaly, and it's it's not like what we had talked about where it was um, you know a clear hyperbola you know something something hard that that the the radar is bouncing off of, um, so it's you know it's not like a crate or a box or anything like that. Instead, it's really just a uh, an area where when you're looking at the soil uh, responses around it, it's suddenly a lot of changes are going on with this this patch. So the layers are, are kind of all jumbled up. You can see a, a very nice clear boundary um, below it and kind of where where there isn't any sort of disturbance to the sides of it. And the soil above it, the layers are less compact and uh, thicker. It starts at about 12 inches deep and goes to about 24 inches deep, which is interesting um, because we we kind of stumbled across this anomaly, and so we decided to take a, a soil sample right next to it, and we we could really only get to about 12 inches deep with our soil sample before we hit a gravel layer, which then looking at the data, you can kind of uh, see where that is. So actually, the anomaly kind of breaks through or, or at least it appears to break through kind of this layer of gravel it is it is something of interest and it it really did kind of catch our eye okay what is and i have two questions what is indicative of the shape the squared off edges because you said it's not something that would be a box or a crate but when you look at the cross section the profile it does look like it has squared off edges so what is indicative of that and also what is indicative of a thicker topsoil layer again we're we're looking at at a profile so you kind of lose that three dimensionality um, and if you if you kind of i guess stack several of these profiles behind it it, it is kind of squared off not perfectly but 
something that that really doesn't appear to be to be natural. So something that could cause that would be if you were digging something and you dug generally straight down with squared off edges as opposed to um, digging just like a, a ditch, that would kind of give you those those unnatural sudden changes um, because then once you backfill uh, that soil again, you're not ever going to get those perfect layers again. And as far as the the change in the topsoil, again that that looks um, to me at least it looks like some kind of some kind of backfill where because you don't have the same I guess weathering or or soil buildup that you do everywhere else, things like like weather and water erosion that are, are going to form these soil layers. This looks like something that hasn't really experienced that in the same way that it, that uh, everything around it has. Not a box, not a crate, uh, it, and it doesn't look like a typical big stone or kind of boulder type situation? No. To, to me, it looks like, as Graham's described, it looks like someone's dug like a five foot by five foot square hole in the ground. Um, so that's the type of an anomaly that we're seeing. And it's then been filled in. And so what we're seeing in the data is a kind of, you know, five foot by five foot by however many inches deep. And, and so that's what we're picking up in, in, in the radar. It, it, it's not a hyperbolic response. So it doesn't look like there's, you know, uh, something that's reflective in there. It's more a, a, dis, a sort of a, a disturbance in the ground that has clearly defined edges to it, which again would lead us to think that it's like a trench, like some, some, something's been dug down in a relatively sort of square method. In your experience, have you ever seen anything like this that you can compare it to, or is there anything in the area that you can look at and say? In the you know in the immediate area, oh, it makes sense for this trench-like or this square-like hole to be here and then filled in. Well, I mean, there, there, there's a road. Uh, sorry, not a road. It's it's the the driveway is right next to it, so it could be something to do with uh, you know the, the the creation of the driveway. I don't know what that would be necessarily. Also, Fred was there with us. And he showed us where he remembered this trailer being. And and this is kind of slap bang in the middle of that. I have no idea what type of trailer this was, whether it was some sort of construction trailer or maybe it was like a, a mobile home or like a caravan or something. It's very difficult for us to say what this is other than it's an anomalous response in the radar data that looks different to everything else within that area that we scanned as Graham said, about 15 feet by about 40 feet. This is a this is a five foot by five foot relatively squared off anomaly that we can see right where the trailer was. Another thing that can that can change the way soil looks without actually penetrating the soil itself is water. So if, you know, there was some kind of structure over this, maybe, you know, the, the way a, a roof goes or a, a drain goes, over time, that can, that, that, that concentration of, of water in a certain area is going to change that particular area compared to everything around it. So, you know, it is, it is possible that water dripping off or running off for 10 years in the same area, that can change the way the water is absorbed into the ground. And once it, once it reaches something uh, like a gravel area or a, a clay boundary or something like that, the water is just going to, to move differently. And so that, that can change sort of the way that, that the, the radar passes through, it changes the, the speed at which it passes through, which then obviously changes uh, the picture that we're getting back. Okay, so uh, just to be to be clear here, um, this isn't the rocks that were leading up to the deck or potentially leading up to where his trailer uh, laid, and and it's not a septic tank for this trailer. If there was a septic tank there, would you would you have been able to see that? Identify that? We we would probably be able to see if this was. You know, 
if if there was a a trailer near here and maybe this was where an outhouse was, maybe this was a hole that was dug for that okay. purpose. I'm not sure. I don't know what, whether that would require a five foot by five foot hole. You might want to look into that. Um, but um, yeah, all all we can really say, no, this, this is this is away from the house. So the, the house was uh, built in 2004 uh, or five when it was completed. The septic system that's currently there, we we have identified in in the radar data. The leach field. The, the current owners of the house know where their leach field is, and it's nowhere near this area. And and this also has got nothing to do with the 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 kind of the rocky pathway that leads up to the front of the house. This is away from all of those things. Okay. Now, what if Rick did connect uh, some kind of plumbing system inside the trailer to the septic tank that's kind of across the yard? Could this anomaly account for? Any underground construction uh, to do with that? I mean, it, it it certainly could, and which is why I'm very apprehensive about saying what this is. All we can really say it is an anomaly that we're seeing within the area that we scanned. So, in your professional opinion, what is the next thing to do? So, the soil sample that we that we did here, we managed to get down to about 12 inches or thereabouts, uh, and that's when we hit this gravel. I think it would be a, a wise idea to to actually dig a slightly larger hole uh, to, down to that gravel layer. Have a look at what sort of gravel it is. Is it natural or is it something like a crushed rock, perhaps? Is it something that is maybe natural or is it something that's maybe uh, put there deliberately? And then maybe where we did the soil sample in the same location, dig down below that and, and maybe see if we can sample some of the soil there and, and test that. Graham, do you, uh, do you agree with that? I would agree. I would say, um, well, first, first get the, uh, the sample that we did take, get that tested, because if, if that comes back with something interesting, then, you know, this becomes a, a, a priority, obviously. But, I, uh, yeah, I, I would say that, that it would be okay to, to do kind of a, a larger, um, I guess, shovel test size, you know, so maybe uh, uh, a foot, in in diameter just kind of you can you can punch that straight down uh that'll that'll allow you to get through that gravel layer but i i would not recommend putting anything directly through where we see the anomaly but immediately adjacent to it you're probably okay and the reason for that is again um soil change is is there because it was changed you can't do any kind of excavation and then redo it. Once you've done it, you've changed now the soil again forever. And so if you're if you're not being careful, you know, you could potentially ruin something very important. So I would just I would just say uh, exercise caution. Yes, that's that's excellent advice. Uh pardon my ignorance on this, but when you're looking at these cross-section profile views of the anomaly, you wouldn't see something that would be buried there if there was something buried there, correct? If there, let's say someone buried a television set, you wouldn't see the outline of a television set, would you? You wouldn't necessarily be able to see that it was a television set, no. Um, but, but, But the thing with a television, a television's made with, you know, plastic, it's made with metal, um, those are all amazing reflectors. So you would see very clearly in the data that this is something that's made from those types of materials, and you would see that being reflected back to the the receiver. Uh, you'd see that in the radar data. So th- this looks more like a sort of a, a sort of a, a homogenous response, right? So there's nothing in there that looks like a television set. There's nothing in there look, that looks like it's a whole load of metal trash and garbage. It looks like a change in the soil. What I would say is that if organic matter is put in there 15 years ago, we're not going to see that organic matter. That organic matter is going to have homogenized with the soil around it. Which is so, so what we're really going to see is that change in the soil, which is what we were trying to do here. We, we were trying to see if there were these changes in the soil that might then lead us to think that you know perhaps something something organic was buried there at one point and also we're you know some of the things that uh, uh some of the questions that are still out there are um you know cell phones and and backpacks or just other personal effects um you know those those are things 
that are also, um, you know, pretty small and uh, would be very, very difficult for, for us to pick up. Um, or at least notice them as opposed to, to something else around it. Again, so we're, we're not going to see, you know, the, the idea of the TV was, was a great example, um, but we're also um, not going to be able to specifically see, oh, there's, you know, something smaller specifically. Okay, so you wouldn't even be able to tell if there, for example, was a backpack in there? It would look the exact same as this looks? Actually, the backpack would be even more difficult to see than something made of, of plastic and metal. The reason for that is it's, it's just a, it's a matter of uh, the way that radar waves uh, pass through and reflect off different materials. A any thoughts to this point on this work uh, that you guys would like to add? I'm just uh, I'm really looking forward to um, hopefully getting in, getting some information back on the the samples that that we collected. Um, I think if you combine that with um, the the GPR work that we did, I think you know hopefully that kind of really answers some some things about it. Which was uh, kind of my ultimate goal was getting answers to uh, either confirm or eliminate things so that. You know, this this doesn't stay bogged down, so it, it keeps moving forward. So I'm really happy that I was able to kind of contribute to that. And I, um, you know, if I can help out in the future, I would be more than happy to. I just hope that we haven't added more confusion <laughs> and frustration no. to uh, what is already kind of a, a confused and frustrated thing here. Have you seen what's been going on the past few years? I think what you've done in, in mere weeks has not only cleared up some confusion, it will have gone a long way to eliminate locations. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.